Welcome to Houndsy, the Steel Army podcast. And it is off-season time, so now it's time to get into off-season roster thoughts and news and notes and all the things we do to kick up a show every other week. Although this week, we there's it's been news news party uh, for the USL and the Hounds in particular. And so to run through all that with me, got two uh, two decently cool people. First off, it's a Vesti. What's good, man? Kids throwing up on you and stuff? Yeah, if you uh, if you ever want to get thrown up on by somebody half your size and not have it be sexy, be a parent. Okay. Okay. <laughs> Fair enough. It's uh, it's uh, it's it. I mean, for for people who don't have kids, this is the time of the year where the um, cylindrical or uh, sickness really starts. Where it's like every week, there's it's something. We uh, we just went through a bout of a hand, foot, and mouth disease, which wasn't very fun. And then mm-hmm. um, tonight, some some vomiting. So we'll uh, we'll see what tomorrow brings us. Yeah, my one of my good friends. Uh, he was going to go to the Steelers game with us this past weekend. He has a a newborn and a roughly one year old, and he woke up Sunday morning with pink eye in both eyes. So. Oof. Yeah, it's like after I don't know, two months of school or daycare or whatever you do in the fall. It's like everybody, all the immune systems finally got used to each other, and so they they unleash the the viruses just rip through the entire population over and over and over. Sound sounds lovely. But you made it here and that's that's all that matters for, for our purposes. Yeah, I have enough booze in me that I'm probably immune, so I'm good. Nice. <laughs> uh that little giggle comes from Ariana. What's good with you? Uh I'm doing all right. Uh basketball season, uh college basketball season is upon us. Uh so I'm back to working uh, basketball games at Duquesne, so it's been a wild week so far. Do you work um, the same the same bar every every game? You in the same spot? Yeah, yeah. So I work the uh, courtside bar um, for just the folks the the forty seats that are on courtside. The so, posh. Um, yeah, the bougie folks, uh, the folks who tip nicely, just. In general, so you 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 had to work your way up into that. Into that, you like you don't get handed that spot. Yeah, yeah, I've been working, uh, like basketball games at Duquesne since my junior year of undergrad. So it's yeah, it's been a been a minute. I've worked myself into uh, you know up into the the nice bougie section. So it's a, it's a long way and I the close top. at halftime. Yeah, so. you close at halftime. Yeah, right after halftime. What? Yeah. I mean, that's partially a legal thing. Uh, partially, no one really comes after halftime anyway. Oh, wow. So they were like, you know, less time for you to stand around and not do anything. Um, so, yeah. Usually just before the game, I have a handful of people. And then at halftime, usually people come down, including... Uh, Yak, who's normally uh, on with us here, he is one of the hooligans that comes down to my bar pretty frequently. He's a season ticket holder for the um, for Duquesne. So, oh wait, so like he, you can go, you don't have to be in in the super fancy seats to get to that no. bar. No, oh, okay. No, 
Um, it was originally just for that, and then um, one of the players' parents kind of said that he deserved to go down there and get a drink, and no one really disagreed with him. So D- deserved. He kind of, yeah. He's like, I'm a player of a, you know, a parent of a player. Uh, I I should be able to do this. I, you know, the whole reason you're here is because of my kid. And and we're like, all right, well, <laughs> I I say money is money. If it's sixteen dollars for a double. Yeah, yeah. money. No, no, for you, yeah. So, You'll take all of them. I get yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. And that's what I told them. I was like, you know. And nobody really knows I'm down there, so it's not like I get super busy anyway, so. Fair. But it's nice. Get to meet some interesting people. Uh, Derek Watt of, of the Pittsburgh Steelers has been down there. Um, Chris uh, Kuntz, also of the Pittsburgh Steelers. He used to be a Duquesne student, Duquesne player. He He comes frequently. Um. Ah, oh, who did I just meet? I know I. I have to look it up. I'll remember later on. But um, another football player uh, who played for Duquesne uh, a little bit and then went into that and uh, played nine years in the uh, NFL. So get to meet some interesting folks down there. There you go. Yeah. Uh, season just wrapped up, which means that turns in quickly into award season and. Uh, the Hounds voracious in postseason awards or in, after yo know, end of season awards. Uh, not so voracious on postseason awards. Um, <laughs> uh, Chico Chico Dequa, Player of the Year, uh, Ordonez Defender of the Year, uh, Robert Motherfucking Lily Coach of the Year. Uh, Vesti, I'll start with you. Uh, a these particularly surprise you that uh, they were nominated for three awards and collected all three or just uh, as expected? Well, with how good our regular season was, I think it's as expected. I think Lily is a bit fortunate that it was regular season only. If it included the playoffs, I imagine Charleston's coach may have at least had more of the vote share if not taking it for taking the team all the way. But yeah, I mean, when they, when they they rolled in, I wasn't surprised by any of it. Yeah, Pierman was one of the two people that that other others were trying to throw out there as they should have gotten it, and there. I kept hearing the argument about how bad uh, Charleston was the year before, to which I don't. You you get extra credit because you come in after the guy that was really really bad. Like you don't get extra, you don't get bonus points because they hired you after they hired a shit guy. Uh, and then people kept bringing up the playoffs. And again, that that doesn't matter. So, and they kept bringing up the guy from Phoenix. Of course, he just won uh, the postseason, and he's the youngest coach in the league. Uh, but you know what? Fuck that guy because they did all the. Uh, he was involved in all that tampering to get moved from uh, Oakland to Phoenix last year. So, fuck that. Um, <laughs> Ordonia surprised me a little bit, uh, only because I feel like sometimes that turns into a. It turns into a. Not lifetime achievement, but like, sometimes those become more than a one year thing. And the fact that it went to a guy in his second year. Uh, who plays in a let's be honest now a, a pretty rigid defensive system where individuals don't typically stand out uh, 
he had a very very good year, obviously, and he contributed goals at the the moment where uh, when Dequa was out with his injury. So I appreciate it. I was just a little surprised. I thought maybe a a, a better known name in the league might have come down with that one, but uh, certainly not a complaint. Ariana, were you any shocks there? Three for three. Um, no. Um, I mean, I think that it was a surprise for me that we got all three, but then if you look at them, like, individually, and I'm going to count, I think, I think, I think everyone on here can agree, uh, it's three and a half, uh, I'm, I'm going to give us half credit for, Vidiello. for, uh, Vidiello, I think it's only right, you know, <laughs> um, but I think that, I mean, I did not expect us to to take three of of the four, uh, three and a half of the four. But when you look at them all individually, you know, Chico being Golden Boot winner, uh, you know, leading the team to the to the you know Shield, it, it makes sense. Um, I don't think anyone can disagree on that. Um, Arturo kind of surprised me. Um, and then for, for reasons we've also already discussed, Bob surprised me. But, you know, looking at the competition that that they had, um, I'm like, all right, you know, all of them are, they make sense. Um, I just did not expect us to get all three. So it, it was a surprise, but um, we had a monumental season. Uh, regular season, so it was just just makes sense. I mean, I could sit here and list all the accolades that I've you know we've talked about in the past, and it's just I, there's there was a lot. So, um, best season, regular season. You know, we had Open Cup, fantastic season. We had um, just awards left and right throughout the season so definitely felt it felt right it just didn't feel like it was gonna happen you know <laughs> i didn't i was confidently said you know i you asked me we're gonna sweep it i was like yeah sure yeah i mean sure yeah but then when it comes down to it i'm like oh well i mean i guess we did <laughs> so there's also yeah. something to be said about but, about the voters uh, splitting their votes up so they're not all going to one team, which I think would be a natural thing for people to do. When all of a sudden they're they're being asked to vote on, I think five awards, and all of a sudden you're, you're throwing three of them at, at one team. I can see uh, some individuals trying to spread it out a little bit more than that. Yeah. <sighs> yeah. Uh. 42nd minute USA still doesn't score against Trinidad. It's crazy. Yeah, but. And now Trinidad's down a guy. They're down a guy. Yeah. We'll see how that goes. Uh, and then uh, the real shocking news that came out of left field uh, assistant coach Dan Visser, longest longest Howden running in terms of, uh, of an on field guy. Uh, he is getting moved up to the front office proper as sporting director. Um, press release mentioned he was going to work alongside Bob uh, in the the player talent acquisition department, uh, and then the the phrase that kind of threw me off uh, was uh, 
a what international transfer plan or system system or something to that effect. Something that, that seemed very much not not of the Bob Lilly era hounds. Uh, Vesti, start with you. I, I I have a thousand questions about what this is and what this means, uh, but I'll, I'll let you try to ask the ones before I do. What when you okay. first read this, what what went buzzing through your head? It it's interesting. I thought that uh, he was got promoted, so to speak, up to the front office for that. I would have thought they. I don't know with, with how long he was around as an assistant coach. I thought he was on track to stay in a coaching role, um, whether it be the the heir to Bob or I don't know, maybe go somewhere else, which would be unfortunate. So it's interesting that that he was the one that moved up. I I feel like we've talked about wanting a position like this for a while now, or, or feeling that the team needed something like this to to manage player contracts and and go get guys and stuff, so that it's not all on one person like it has been for ever at this point, even pre Bob. So I'm happy to see the position. You, you mentioned that uh, you know international transfers and stuff isn't really. Uh, Lily era thing, but you know what it is? Uh, it is a Jeff Garner OC era. It's an Orange thing. County thing for sure. Yeah, which I know when he first came here, and we we asked them about that. I, I think it was either from Mongols or maybe even Krasinski. Somebody asked him about it, and he was pretty adamant, like, "Oh no, you know, I it wasn't really my brainchild. It was it's other guys the organization. I was just kind of like there." But I mean, even just being there, you, he he knows what's going on and kind of how to get that ball rolling and we keep seeing these more and more these international transfers every year with higher and higher price tags attached to them so maybe we're we're finally gonna try to get into that game or maybe it's just you know he's gonna manage all these options that we got i don't know well it'd be interesting to see what's gonna happen with it yeah it's i mean that's part of it is you see the the transfer is coming in now. Uh, we're getting into seven digits um, every so often, it, it, and that leads to one of my questions: Who whose decision was this? Was this a Garner decision? Was this was this a Bob decision? Was this a Tuffy decision? Like who actually who pulled the trigger that that the club is going in this direction? Because my first yeah, thought like- is is. I have a hard time seeing Bob relinquish any control like this, but at the same point, maybe to keep Visser in the organization, this was a natural progression. Or did yeah Jeff and or Tuffy come down and say, "Hey, this is how it's going to work now," which I can't feel like that'd be more like a Tuffy call than a Jeff call. Uh, I, I feel like Tuffy. I don't know if Tuffy would care. I mean, we've run the run the organization a certain way for so long. Like maybe, but again, you start uh, seeing seven seven figure transfers coming in for kids. You yeah, start you start thinking my, there might be a different way of doing it. Maybe maybe not Tuffy not caring isn't the right way to say it, but maybe I don't think he necessarily was very hands on in the decision. He probably just went. He came probably came back from an older meeting, the mid mid season meetings. Are like, hey Jeff, I hear them Europeans are paying a lot of money. Why don't you uh, why don't you get this going and. I'd say Jeff probably would take it from there. All right. 
Ariana, what questions stick out in your your mind with uh, this new position? I feel like it's it's partially, you know, like the reins were held by Bob a little bit. Um, I don't I don't see Bob ever leaving a coaching position. I I just can't see Bob relinquishing the the control of the day to day and game, you know, without completely leaving entirely. I, I don't see him necessarily like going to a different role and I don't see him going any higher. I don't think that Bob, and I, I just don't think that he, not that he doesn't have the ability to do it because I think he does. I just don't think he wants to. Um, and they came together, I believe, uh, Bob and, and Visser. Um, so Bob knows. No, Visser, Visser, Visser predates him. I, for some reason, I, I because I looked it up, I wanted to see what the connection was, and I feel like there is. Maybe I just saw a connection in the past. I don't. I don't remember. But either way, they've worked together for Bob's tenure here. So I think that Bob. I I just think he didn't want. Uh, he doesn't want to relinquish the control of like when it comes down to like the game day decisions, but I think that Bob and the front office are seeing that the plans, like the contract decisions and choices that we've been making are not sustainable for a squad that they want to repeat this season like I, I just don't I think that they're seeing I mean even last year we lost like 70 80 percent of the team at first you know they they announced the first round of signings and it was only like five or six I think it was five and so I think that it's just they're if they want to grow the team as much as they talk about growing the team, everyone, you know, everyone in interviews have always has always mentioned they want to grow, you know, Pittsburgh soccer and they want to grow the Riverhounds. And I just don't think it's going to be it's going to happen if we are consistently flipping, you know, seventy five plus percent of the team. So I think that, and I just don't think Bob is wants to think about that. I think that Bob. I think his brain wants to be on the field and he wants to be able to make play calls and make decisions when it comes down to the field. So if he was given the choice, do you want to be in a suit in the office as sporting director? Or do you want to be in a track suit on the field as coach? I think he would have picked coach. Um, and I think the next logical step for him is Visser um being that sporting director and this is such a nice hu human being um i've met him a couple of times and his connection with a lot of the players i think is super obvious like super obvious that he just cares a lot about them um not that anyone else does it it's just you know he they've really connected and i think that that his ability to connect with 
current, former, future players will ultimately be better for, you know, contract negotiations, signing people more long term. Um, so I, I just think that maybe that's that's why I, I don't see Bob wanting to be the sporting director. So the ne- the next logical step down from there, besides bringing in some random person which I don't think anyone would have wanted. The next logical step is Visser. So I, I just, I think that it was, I didn't see it coming because it's not like we've had that position and it was vacant. Um, so it was definitely like a surprise that they just announced that. It's also, they don't hype it. Um, y- you look at teams across the league that have hyped like very simple signings and then they just drop this whole sporting director shift on a random day uh tuesday or whatever like it just wasn't hounds doing hounds things i mean yeah it's very houndsy but uh i just yeah i i don't think i don't think anyone was prepared because it wasn't a vacancy but looking at it in the light and looking at it you know critically as we've had the last couple of days does make sense to me um and to me it makes sense that bob just didn't want that he he didn't i just don't think he wants to to be in that position i don't see bob being i think bob loves that shit and tie i think I, I, just don't, I, I, I am surprised bob gave up any sort of control well, I, bet I mean bob- he's older i don't know doesn't want to travel bob loves that shit for professional but they do mention quite a bit on the press release about uh this position also being intertwined with the academy and youth mm-hmm. development and stuff and i imagine bob does not really care about that right so if, if they if the academy's getting to a point where they feel like the 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 players that come up through that are sellable in some way and they want to you know include that in the job description then you need somebody other than Bob to do it I think there's a chance this I took a point this sporting director covers the the men's team in a, in a budding women's team that could be anything if they're if they are seriously considering a super league or whatever or W league or whichever league that they do need to expand the front office operations a bit. Ended on this. Let's say we'll just take j- player X is on a on a club option for the year. Visser has one opinion on, on this individual. Bob has a different opinion on this individual. Who wins out? I'd say Bob. I, yeah, I think that Bob has the ability to convince anyone to see what he sees. So I think that it's not, it doesn't come down to a, a Visser versus Bob. I think it comes down to Bob can convince Visser just to see what he sees. So yeah, I agree. Bob, I think, I think he has a little bit more of that, you know, 
push behind the scenes. Let me ask you this, Yost. Yo. Uh, when we get the announcement in a couple of weeks that Albert Dequa has resigned for the 2024 season, is that going to be 2024 in an option? Or is that going to be a two-year deal, a three-year deal? Uh, I mean, if like we can stop, get, are we going to get away from these one and an option? That, that, that's this? actually, that's a great question. And I, I would not be surprised if most standard rookie deals were the one and one that we've always seen and grown to love. But then guys more established in the league got away from the one and one deals. That would not surprise me that much. But it would help to attract some talent for the, the more veteran guys that that they, they can where settle down for, for two years. or three years, whatever. Yep. I, that yeah, but I think I, I would. I'd be very surprised if the guys coming out of, you know, coming out of college got saw more than the just the one in one deals because there's just too too much unpredictability about how they transition to the pro game, and I think putting those guys for for multiple years is needlessly risky. So this opens up a spot on the bench, which was filled today by Rob Vincent, uh, <laughs> 2015 Steel Army Player of the Year, uh, beloved, uh, beloved hound in his playing days. Uh, I sure as hell didn't see us coming. I was waiting for a bit of a drawn out process to, to fill this vacancy, but it seems now like the the plan was was has been in place the whole time of Visser moves up and we'll move Rob into this uh, first team assistant coach job. Uh, Vesti, you've seen this man play. We uh, we've we've known him for a while. Uh, again, I I was stunned with the decision, but it makes sense. Uh, how about you? Surprised? Not surprised? Excited? Surprised and excited. I think it's it's easy to forget that the academy side is swarming with former players, kind of getting their coaching chops. And but I kept thinking, I, in my mind, it was always Kevin Kerr that end up getting that kind of do go that way, not Rob. Yeah, but that might be a my own bias. Yeah, I mean, you, you kind of figure, or yeah. it's easy to forget that they're all over there, and I think a lot of them do make it a career just staying on the youth side. So. I'm not surprised that at some point one of them made the jump over to the the professional side again. Uh, yeah, I'm surprised Robbie did it first. You know, we we always kind of joke that uh, that Forbes is going to become the assistant coach once he hangs him up. But um, it kind of kind of puts the kibosh on that for for at least a year, doesn't it? I mean, he has to go prove himself in the academy system now. <laughs> that, that's that's our uh, our lower league for coaches. Uh, uh, Bob, Bob does not need to see that man prove himself at all. <laughs> but, well, we can go, we can go back to having two assistants instead of just one. Yep. But yeah, no, it's cool. It's cool to see him. Um, I'm, I'm just real interested to see 
what he's like on the sideline as opposed to a player. And as we learned a year or two ago that Bob was Bob slash the Hounds in general were uh, very instrumental in providing the the necessary assistance uh, when Rob was getting his I believe a license correct. Mm. I think so. Yeah. It's definitely at least a B. Maybe it was the A license. Um, they mentioned that Visser had an A license in the press release. Um, correct. Let's see if they mentioned anything about Rob. So if you take it way back in the uh, when we found out that uh, Brant had to leave because he didn't have an A license, I remember someone wildly throwing out the idea of why don't you just keep them both on on staff and just make Vi- call Visser the head coach in name because he has the A license just to check the box. But then a week later, they brought in Bob, and so things changed. Mm. Uh, Ariana, uh, the the playing days of, of Mr. Rob Vincent, uh, a little bit before your time, but uh, how does this strike you? I think, um, you know, you said something about Kenny. Does this put it on hold? I think Kenny's ability to play one more year puts that whole concept on hold but but i think that we could definitely see kenny in an assistant position role despite this now but because in my mind a a well thought out coaching staff has a representative for each position on the field something that i don't think we've seen before in the house But now we have Bob, who's always been focused on the defense and really does like to mold them. And and usually, I think, puts a little bit more pressure on them because that's just that's how he was, uh, how he played. And then we see um, John Bush come on last year for the keepers who he has focused a lot on them. You see him usually come over after the games and talk to the keepers. Um, So, you know, he's hands on there. Uh, Now we have Rob Vincent, who's, you know, a forward, you know, can be a forward coach focus a lot on, you know, developing the players that we will have in the forward position. Um, And then when, Kenny joins the coaching staff because it's not if in my mind it's a when Kenny can then focus on the midfielders and so then every position has their own you know coach that they can fall back on that they can focus with um, that all then will have you know experience in professional soccer Um, now we have two MLS former MLS uh, players on the team um, and it's and it's exciting. I think that that once we have the four and then you add in the sporting director in Visser, I think that this coaching staff and, you know, front office combination will be kind of crazy uh, in a good way. Um, so I'm excited to see, you know, a lot of things that we've heard in the past is that it's hard for forwards to thrive under Bob because he does focus a lot on that defense. Um, And we see it a lot. I see it a lot, even in the gameplay. So now we'll have someone who can spend their time, not that Visser didn't, but just 
you know, we'll be able to cultivate that the forwards a little bit more so that maybe we keep them. Um, I think this bodes well for bringing back um, quite a few of our forwards, uh, one in particular, uh, just because that they've more than likely met him in passing, maybe worked with him in passing um, at, you know, something. I mean, we, we've seen a lot of the players have contact with a lot of the academy teams. Um, even recently in the last month or so, we saw a couple of them go to uh, meet a lot of the, the academy players at Montour. So I think that we'll, it's not unheard of that it's, you know, that they haven't had contact. So I think that there's a friendship there that we can, that, that they can build on. Um, so yeah, I'm excited. Definitely surprised. Um, not the name I expected to roll past my, you know, on my screen uh, when notifications came in, but um, I'm here for it. And I think that it it's, it's a good combination. And then we have yet another person who has that academy experience to potentially bring the older academy kids up into the first team yeah, to I'm see. Not, I'm not sure what age group Rob did with the academy. I don't know if either of you guys know because I have no idea. I'm assuming it was like some of the older kids, but I, I, I don't know. I don't think it's – I'm reading the – um, it doesn't say in the. I I used to know release. when I was on formerly known as Twitter because he'd post like the results and stuff. I can't remember what it was now. I think it was with some of the older, um, older kids. Mm. Oh, well. But For, um, yeah. As, as Ariana mentioned, Ariana mentioned about like the MLS experience. I, I think that's you can't discount that. I I think because. You know, as, as as successful as Visser was and everything, as an assistant coach, he only played up to the collegiate level according to the press release. Whereas, like Vincent now has, he went, he went through academies in England, college here, D two college, which I think adds mm-hmm. a, a nice twist to it. MLS for two years, now it's coached the academy for a few years and brought you know coach kids up that way. So like he's got experience pretty much at all levels domestically here and uh, you know he he's done it himself so he can if we're going to get into this transfer market mindset with a sporting director where we're potentially looking at selling people you know he's a good guy to have on the bench to help shepherd young people to be like hey this is this is what it took for me to get to mls if you want to you know pursue this you got to work like this um, you know, talk to Robbie there, or um, or Danny. You know, if they're still around, they have the MLS two experiences and stuff. So, not that he's gonna, not that like that's probably his primary focus or anything. Like he's obviously gonna focus on the first team, but he has that experience and that, and clearly the the coaching. Now that you know, it's it's more more assets to get. To potentially attract talent here to get them ready to go elsewhere if we're in a selling mindset.
CBS is getting into the USL game. They have bought, uh, they've picked up the rights for tw the next 24, 20, 20, next four years, 24 to 27. Uh, at first we thought this was going to be CBS exclusive. It sounds like uh, CBS is going to have 100 games or so, five on, on Big Boy Pick it up on your antenna over the air CBS, 75 games on their Galazzo network, which is free online, 20 games on CBS Sports Network, which will also then be simulcast on Paramount Plus. So you'll need a subscription to either one of those. Uh, and then according to the Sports Business Journal, the remaining games will stay with ESPN Plus. And reportedly this takes USL from a low seven figure media rights deal to a mid to high seven figure media rights deal. Uh, Vesti, we'll start with you. Two questions. One, does this change how you consume, potentially consume Riverhounds games because these hundred games go away from ESPN? And then two, little deal, big deal, no deal on the increased rights fee. Uh, real quick to clarify in the 100 games too it's 100 games across USL Championship and USL League 1 yes. so it's not necessarily correct you know, we'll, we'll see what the split is although I imagine we'll probably get the majority if not you know two thirds anywho uh, it, it does it does and it doesn't change uh, many of my viewing habits so I'm a cord cutter I have ESPN Plus obviously and then an antenna so it's nice that when it's not on ESPN Plus, it's potentially on network, so I can get either over the air, especially for you know have the local deal with KDK Plus or whatever it's going to be called, or if they change the name again. Um, so between like you know over the air and ESPN Plus, and then if it's on Golazo, at least it's free. So having you know it's it doesn't really change my viewing. Uh, in that perspective it is nice that the finals are going to be on C cbs proper so i can actually watch those um, i've missed the finals over the last few years because when they had the finals on espn2 that's not part of espn plus without a cable package so i can't watch it which i've been incredibly annoyed about that you can watch 99.9 percent .9 of the games except for the one at the end so i'm uh, pretty excited about that and um yeah, it's, it would have been nice if, it, if the, the the remainder wasn't ESPN Plus because I'm not particularly thrilled about having to pay. F I think it's over a hundred dollars a year now, just to watch USL. Cause I don't really watch anything else in ESPN. Oh, just Plus. just just uh, cancel it for those five months, or whatever. Hey, buy the year package; you get your like five dollars off or whatever. All right. But yeah, I mean, ultimately, it is a big deal. It's it's more it's more exposure and I guess more traditional exposure at least when the games are on CBS I mean it I don't know it, it, it seems like a big deal and it's interesting that they're going that direction versus how MLS is going basically pure streaming now so I you know, I, I don't know if 
if CBS was looking like they have NWSL at the moment, so I don't know if they're looking to expand their domestic soccer product because now ESPN doesn't have anything. Um, yeah, I don't know. It's just it, it's interesting. It'd be it'd be interesting to see what happens after that if if this leads to more or we end up reverting back into streaming only like MLS or they do their 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 streaming platform that they were kicking around in the the surveys this year. Is it shocking that they're to me it's a bit surprising that they are doling out the money that they're doling out seemingly apparently. And then only and then only really putting 20 games behind any sort of actual paywall, be it cable subscription or a Paramount Plus subscription. It, that's just, that's a lot of games. That's a lot of my f- to really just be tucking away twenty games and then producing the other eighty. I just I, it's not my problem how they make the money or if they make money. I just I was so convinced when this first got announced that oh this is a hundred games that you're gonna need some sort of package or subscription to get to, and then you find out it's actually twenty. That's that's nuts. Um, but Someone was thrown out there. This is this in terms of a Dar figure will will basically be in line with what uh, MLS's media's media rights deal was worth less than ten years ago. So that's trending in the right way. Uh, Ariana, a fan of of CBS getting into the the USL game. Yeah, um, I think. Ultimately, for like us locally, I don't think much will change. Um, being that KDKA Plus is already a CBS channel, um, KDKA itself is a, is a CBS channel. So I think that ultimately it'll come down to you know local streaming, um, whether KDKA Plus will lean into it. I mean, they covered most games this year. Um, so I, I am hopeful that it won't change, you know, locally. And I, and I'm, am hopeful then that most of the games will be free on KDK plus with that being said, I already have, you know, ESPN, I already have, um, Paramount plus, um, ultimately I think that Paramount plus is a good, uh, cost decision um when it comes down to it it's like i pay for it by the year and it's 120 a year which is um ten dollars a month um which is in my opinion of all the streaming services pretty reasonable um so i'm not upset that it's on you know and i and i and i think that the soccer coverage on paramount plus in general not just you know future usl coverage but just in general um i think it's nice to have all of that in one place um i do i mean there's obviously others that have carried that do carry professional soccer but when you have like mls buried in apple tv behind a paywall that's an expensive paywall you know that's not great looking for U.S. soccer, but then now you have it on CBS where 
a portion of the games will not be behind a paywall. Um, and I think that that's, you know, will be more attractive in the long run. I think that it'll up viewership in general. Um, we've had, I think we've had, you know, an increase in viewership already, um, at least locally we have. Um, and I think that that's definitely because of KDK plus hosting a lot more of the games this season. So I'm, you know, excited to see what, what comes of it. Um, I think, yeah, I think this is a good move. I think that it's great that it's like the, the salary figure that they put on it um, or the pay figure that they put on it um, is pretty sweet for the USL itself and as a league in the United States. Um, I think a lot of times people compare all of the leagues in um, the US. So I think that, you know, picking or, or us, you know, or the USL being able to, to pull that kind of, you know, those numbers, uh, streaming server, you know, streaming wise is, is, or yeah, um, is fantastic. So I, I am excited to see how this lays out. Um, I think that the USL is going to make a bigger push for um, viewership in general throughout the United States. So and I think this, I'm hopeful that this will help. Yeah, I, I think it, it gets more eyeballs there one way or the other. The MLS comparison is interesting because they're going in one direction of, of really taking eyes off of it. Uh, but for the uh, part of the argument when MLS went to the Apple paywall or the Apple production paywall, however you want to phrase it, is they were doing everything they could to get eyeballs in front of the product for the past decade and nothing was sticking. So go in a different direction. So it will be interesting to see if this works uh, through a CBS partnership at the the games they pick for for big boy CBS could be could be an interesting decision. Uh, I don't know if you know CBS will make that call or the league will make that call, but how those games get get selected could be interesting and what what they try to mm. sell people on. Um, and that kind of goes into the, the the next thing I want to get into, and this is where uh, Vesti got on the on the on the call on the recording right before we hit record. So he doesn't know what we're about to discuss. Uh, the Paul McDermott interview. Uh, yes. The USL president who we kept ignoring does have a name. That name is Paul McDermott. <laughs> he just gave an interview with the athletic about his time wrapping up at air Miami and becoming the president of, uh, USL, uh, Vesti, any takeaways from that interview that you'd like to go over? I did not read it. Ah, see, put him on the spot. Uh, yeah, I don't have athletic subscription anymore. So. Oh, I thought you did. Okay. Well, uh, they kind of stopped covering the USL there, so I stopped caring. That's it, <laughs> uh, my subscription's up in December, and I'm probably not getting back it, on it either. Uh, okay, I will give some of the uh, the highlights, and we'll go through it there. Uh, a lot of pumping the brakes on Pro Rel, um, saying it's, it's not definitely not dead, but. Uh, needs further investigating. They did did confirm that they're looking at the the three league setup 
between you know Championship League One and then having a third league that most likely fall between those two, uh, thus getting more games, more games of importance. If you're gonna have to go pro rel between all those leagues, you're getting more games that, that matter as opposed to all those teams being in two leagues where there'll be less uh, meaningful games late in the season. Made the note that I found interesting that this league has to be about be about compelling games in storylines and not about the stars because they're not going to be able to compete against NLS on the individual player star level field. So they have to they have to do it through uh, exciting competitive games and other storylines. Uh, mentioned a lot, and this kind of goes back to what we talked about with Visser a lot about development in the youth transfer market that they have to be more active in. Uh, as we imagined when he was not doing a lot of TV once he first came to the league, he is saying that he is not uh, Jake Edwards in terms of looking to be on, on TV or being front-facing to the to the cameras or anything like that, so don't expect a lot of TV time from him. Uh, so it is a change from, from good old Uncle Jake. Uh, and then did note that there are some uh, notable foreign clubs looking to get into the USL game as, as their foothold into the U.S. market. Vesti, we've gone through ProRel uh, enough times in the last handful of years. Uh, I, I imagine you're not surprised that dumping some cold water on, on ProRel, but uh, does it ever get there? And your thoughts on the, the, the potential three-league setup? Yeah, I'm not surprised to, for them to, to back off for a little bit. I, I, it makes me wonder how much that pro rail talk was Jake Edwards either pushing it or just using it as a means to drum up support and the new guy being like, eh, not so much. So, yeah, I don't know. I, they've, granted it was the previous USL administration, uh, so to speak, but they've been teasing it for years at this point. And I'm just kind of tired of hearing about it so um, until there's something concrete I, they can talk about oh we're thinking about it as much as they want I just it doesn't play to me anymore I I I wouldn't be surprised if eventually we saw it in the USL but I, I'm just I don't know I just it's been dragging along too long I just don't care anymore if it happens it happens if it doesn't it doesn't I, it's no skin off my nose either way anymore. I, I just people want to get worked up about it, then you know more power to them. Yeah, if, if I have to see one more, you know, some some idea, some fan kid person's like their model for how pro rail should work in the U.S. I, I like right through my phone through a wall. I'm 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 done hearing about it. Just. Wake me up when it happens. Otherwise, I'm, I'm I'm burned out from it. Don't care. Ariana, do you agree with El Presidente's assessment that this league needs to be about uh, competitive, compelling games and good storylines, and not player star driven uh, focused? Um. Yes. Ish. Um. I think that my biggest complaint about sports in general is always teams or fan bases that base their entire uh, persona on one player. Um, we've seen it 
across the board um, and, you know, focus then on, you know, local or, you know, national, sorry, United States teams, mainly MLS. I'm not going to name it here, but everyone probably has the team I'm talking about in their head. You put your entire persona of a team behind a player. I think that that's dumb. Anything can happen. Uh, players change. Uh, injuries happen. Uh, and to base your entire fan base or um, income of a team on one singular player is horrible for the bottom line. So, and we've, we've seen that. We saw that this year with said team that I'm not going to talk about um, or not going to name. But when you start to build in uh, big rivalries, uh, think about even like football. The, bi the biggest rivalry, uh, that's American football, the biggest rivalry that it comes down to is like, you know, that people watch is Steelers-Browns uh, or Eagles-Cowboys. Uh, Those are team-based. So you start building in a storyline of like, you know, Pittsburgh versus pick a team. Um, I think that, you know, it drums up support for each team. It drums up support arguments online. I mean, you saw it behind big games that happened this year. There's a lot of chatter online. And then I think it draws then discussion. It draws viewership. It draws, you know, interest. So I definitely think that he's right in that aspect. Um, that you know we should focus more on on the culture between teams rather than the culture like a culture based on players um but at the same time you can't just straight up ignore you know there are you know great players there are players that should be focused on there are players that should be at least highlighted um but could you imagine if we we based our entire support of or, or our entire, um, you know, persona on a player um, as the Riverhound. Like, I mean, you we, you can't choose a player to begin with with us. But like, you know, it, it just so. For example, say we did that this year and put our entire persona behind Dequa. He was injured. For, you know a couple of weeks he was out for for a month and a half what do you do then um you just to focus on a player to rely solely on one player or two players just shoehorns you into you know something that just you you lose the ability then to bring in other people or bring in attention to other players beyond that one person um, so I think it'd be cool if we leaned into, uh, you know, we talk about it all the time, the old guard, um, being, you know, it's only us and Charleston left lean into that. I mean, I think we saw a little bit this year, uh, when we were down in Charleston, uh, they did film that discussion between the two coaches, um, lean into, you know, that or lean into how, the supporters groups of two two teams play off of each other on online like lean into that a little bit push it a little bit because then you start to create like 
this this just storyline that can carry through players, through coaches, through teams, through years. And it's just, I think it then adds to, you know, a team's mentality um, and, and a supporters group mentality. So I definitely, I, I did like that aspect of his interview. Snap opinion from you two right now. Mm. U.S. is playing at home, up a man against Trinidad, uh, mm. and it is zero zero in the sixty ninth minute. Not nice. If they do not win this game, is the Greg Beerhalter seat warm, Vesti? Oh, it should be, but this game doesn't really mean anything. Ariana. Yeah, I think that it's. That's all. That's all. Snap. Yeah. That's all we need. <laughs> Moving on. Care about the Nations League. No, this is uh, qualifying for uh, Copa America. But Mama has it as a Nations League thing. Mm. Maybe it's both. I don't know. Nobody cares. <laughs> yeah, I think so it's both. I think cares. yeah, it's both. Okay. Uh, it's Helen's roster time. Fun time of the year, I know. Let's start. Here is who is under contract for the Hounds in 2024. Uh, Danny Griffin. Confirmed no for sure. Uh, the wording on the press releases for the transfer of Joe Farrell and the um, the signing of was it Mertz? No, no. Mm. Was it Mertz? Mm. That was ambiguous. I I think so. Let me double check. I was I was going back and reading through. I didn't think it was ambiguous, but you thought it was ambiguous. Anyways, one person for sure, potentially up to three. Uh, so a big rebuild coming in once again. Let's stick with for the purposes of right now. You are newly promoted sporting director Dan Visser. You have a a bunch of options you need to exercise in the next couple weeks. Exercise or decline, should I say? Here are the players with 2024 uh, team options. Blackstock, Tony Lopez, Tola, Junior, Laser, DZ Harmon, DeShields, Pat Hogan, Elal Asamanu, Danny Rivera, Riot, Garner Gomes, and that is your list. Ariana, who are your who are your who are your pickups? Um I think the first pickup of that list, solely that list, has to be Junior Eto. Okay. Um I don't I think that Junior is a one of the most slept on players that we had um, for me 
Um, I think that he's just, yeah, I, I think that that's the first, that's the first option that's picked up. Um, if we're anything like last year, uh, maybe we do a sweeping, you know, five or six, uh, all at once. Uh, I personally think that Langston, uh, needs to be picked up. Uh, that, Tola. That's the guy who's, who will somehow not get picked up and I want to be devastated. I will be... The general needs to be coming back. Yes. Sergeant Langston Blackstock Esquire needs to return promptly. Um, I will be very disappointed if his does not get picked up. Um, it's going to kill our, our listenership. I mean, yeah. But also, I think that him being molded into a defensive position... Um, bodes well in my mind for uh, his future. Um, if you look at the first one, the first names that were dropped last year, um, it was basically mostly defensive positions. Um, Luke, Nate, uh, Marky, who is a midfielder who plays kind of back a little, or played kind of back a little. Um, so I think that, you know, Defensively, oh, Arturo, defensively, we always, I think that the first round of choices always favors um, our defensive players. Um, other than that, I feel like, oh, I don't know if I said Tola. Tola's on my list as well. Um, I think that his option, he should be one of the first in the wave back. Um, Danny... Rovira is another one. Uh, and then everyone else is kind of, those are, those are my first, that's my first wave. Uh, I mean, it, it, the dream is to bring everyone back, but um, those are kind of the, the names that I favor uh, coming back on their option year. Um, but I think that we didn't get to see enough of Osumanu playing um, for me to give a good review of, of him. Um, but I, I would, you know, think he would be a good returnee. Um, same with Trevor. I'm not really leaning towards either of the, the goalkeepers, so I don't know. <laughs> but that that's... Yeah, I, think, I think it's safe to say that Bob feels comfortable can find two other people. Yeah. Sorry, I, sorry guys. I keep her. Um, I, I adore them. They're so nice. Uh, and I'm going to throw all three of them in there on this. Um, I think that Bob is cognizant of the fact that uh, he's can find, obviously, can find good legs, hands elsewhere. Vesti, what options are you picking up? I'd say the priority would be Blackstock and Etu for pretty much all the reasons Ariana talked about. And I'm skimming through the list right now. I mean, ideally, we want to bring back as many as we can since we had such a strong team. But yeah, of the option, I'd probably just put those two as the priorities. uh, Yeah, I mean, those are the two that jump off the list to me. Uh, Rivera becomes a third. I think the interesting name on that list is Hogan. 
Mm. And that be that might be a thing of what other guys they're looking at at the moment. I could see that falling either way. Um, lo- love me some razor or some laser, and I guess it just you know it became pretty clear that he fell out of favor in the second half of the season. So I'd be I'd be a little surprised if he showed back up. Uh, kind of a similar story with uh, with swell suit. Uh, Riot kind of fell fell to the by the wayside as, as the season moved on. Um, yeah, so I my guess my guess is there's going to be four options picked up. I think it's going to be Blackstock, Tola, Junior, Danny. No, five. I think Hogan. I think Hogan gets picked up. So I'll, I'll go. I think five guys get get picked up. But we shall see. Now the air question, and we did this last year, where we we kind of ignored the people out of contract because you, you could sit there and say, I want to bring back A, B, C, D, E, and F, and just because you want to bring them back doesn't mean it happens because they can clearly go elsewhere. Uh, so it's kind of a silly conversation to have, in my opinion. But I'm gonna throw it out there this way. Uh, let's get in. You're gonna put on your your newly promoted Dan Visser hat. Uh, you have the budget and ability to bring back one of these two guys. Is it Dequa or is it Arturo Ordonez? You get to keep one, not two. Vesti. I would bring back Dequa because I feel like Bob's got a pretty good track record of finding center backs or at least guys he can mold into solid center backs. So you're, take, you're uh, taking on the idea that Bob can, on the similar vein of, of goalkeepers, Bob can find another center back. Easier yeah, than, than he, another I, striker. Yeah, I think he can plug and play the center backs better than he can for the forwards. I feel like the forwards have been a little more iffy, so I'd rather take the the guy that really, you know, exploded this year, and I would consider him a more sure bet. If I had to pick one, Ariana, uh, I'm the same. Um, I would I would definitely lean towards towards Dequa um, for very similar reasons. Um, we saw Bob's Bob's ability to cultivate a solid defensive line in their rookie year. I mean, you're talking Ordonez, Nate, Luke, they all played serious minutes in their rookie years um, last year and played well last year and continue to play well this year. Dequa, on the other hand, didn't necessarily have, and now whether this is who he played with or not, 
I think that it took an extra year to kind of cultivate Dequa to be what he was. So I would hate to lose that work. Um, so I think that I would lean definitely towards Dequa. And then I think that Dequa has become, and this might, you know, help with our new assistant coach, um, has become a presence in the front line when it comes to other players. Um, his connection with like Kiza, his connections with Tola, you know, you, you see them on the, on the field. Um, and I think that like his ability to kind of be the leader of the, the forwards um, has really shown his versatility. Um, so I would not want to lose that. Um, and he's like the nicest person. I don't think anyone could ever be angry at him. So I just think that his ability to, to kind of be that person for the forwards is just something that I would never want to lose. Um, and he's our golden boot winner. I mean, it's hard to, to compare the defensive defensive player of the year and, you know, the player of the year, uh, who are you going to keep? But, um, I definitely think that Dequa is not done yet showing what he can do with the golden boot. So with his golden boot. Um, so I would definitely lean heavily towards him. So this is where if you think that Dequa has more than a season in him, I, yes, you, mm. you hold on to him. Took him three years in Pittsburgh to have this little breakout, not little breakout season, but to have this breakout season. Are you, is the 2024 Dequa the 2023 Dequa or the 2021 22 Dequa? If you, I think if you think you're getting the 23, you hold on to him. If you're getting the other, I think you're going to get, I have, I have no doubt that. Uh, whoever, wherever Ardenio, uh Arturo plays with next year, he's going to give you consistent performances. That does not concern me. I would be a little more skeptical of Dequa having a repeat of this year, next year. I think that he's gotten into his groove now. Um, and I don't necessarily think it's it's an issue when it comes down to like age. Um, Dequa is 25 and Arturo is also 25. So they're very similar. They're, I mean, they're the same age. So they're very, very similar positions in their life. Dequa definitely has a little bit more experience when it comes down to just years in the league. Um, years with the Riverhounds. Um, but I just think that I mean, I say this knowing I just said the opposite uh, before we started recording about a different player. Um, but I think that you just have to like, yeah, I think that Dequa will, he has more to give. Um, and now that he's hit his groove, um, I think it'll be hard to, you know, shift away from that uh am i that this was all my biggest worry when it came down to his injury whether he was his injury would stunt the 
ability for him to like come back the same way he was playing before. And I don't think we saw, I mean, we, we didn't see a hiccup after the injury. Um, so I don't know. I definitely lean more towards he's found his groove. Um, I think ultimately what it'll, it'll come down to for the team is, um, who who will be more attractive to another team if they're going to try to pull, you know, they're going elsewhere. Um, I think that, I think they both have a pick of, of their option, whether they stay here or go elsewhere. Um, but I just, I think that Dequa would lean more towards staying here than Arturo. Um, so let's put the question this way, because we all, I think, look, kind of dancing around the the subject. The Hounds notoriously do not retain their top-level players. They, they, they go elsewhere. Does this organization have the ability and willpower to bring back zero, one, or two of these players? Two. Vesti. And and two with long term contracts. Longer term contracts. I think we're gonna see one of them. Uh, I hope it's Dequa. Usually when we so, I mean, the, the, the pattern that we're in is like a guy is here for a year, does all right, second year blows up, third year gets paid and leaves. And so it's tough to, if we do keep Zequa, it's tough to say or to know um, how he's going to be next year because we never really have seen that. Granted, like, you know, Cicerone left and had success in Sacramento and Brett's had success in Birmingham, so... Probably no real reason to, to expect Dequa to slide, but it's still a bit of an unknown. I really hope they put the effort to keeping him though, because usually when we do let one of our or our our top striker leave, because we we you know we can't afford him anymore, we usually have somebody in the wings waiting to go. It's like there's always kind of like a, a leapfrogging. And I'm not convinced Kiza or Tola. I'm not convinced Kiza's here next year, first off. Um, mm. Yeah. I don't know. So, like, if we if we let Dequa go, and I don't think either of the other two are an answer or potentially not here either. Um, like I mentioned earlier, I'm much more concerned about a wide-open striker position than than finding a, a, a center back to plug into Adonius. I, I, but yeah, I, I think we'll just take it one of them. Even though with the 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 Vista change and stuff, I'm not convinced that means that we're going to go on a big spending spree this year. But I would love to be proved wrong. Do you think the the this would be a great question for uh, our friends in Mongols to ask uh, Dan Visser? I mean, it's more of a Jeff Garner question, but 
does uh, this impressive run of uh, sellouts and highly attended games, that, does that change the, the budget projections going forward? Does Aston as, as Seats give, a bigger, give us a bigger player, uh, player budget? Superstars aren't cheap. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but they, saved, they so. saved all the money on the laser show, though. <laughs> yeah, the, the refund for that. So that's, that's one player contract right there. Yeah, well, and then yeah, they, two, they have to get the chin guy to come back. Ah, uh, that's true. <sighs> Damn it. Uh, Ariana, there's a holiday party that we're hosting coming up here soon. You want to tell, tell the people? Yes, sir. Uh, uh, Steel Army annual holiday party. Um, this year it is happening at Highmark Stadium. Uh, so yeah, get excited. Uh, we'll be there. Um, it is Saturday this year, uh, December 9th. And it is 6 p.m. to 10 p.m. Um, and yeah, be there, be square. Uh, I'm super excited uh, to have it and to see all your faces again. Um, it was a brutal final period to the to the season, so uh, I can't wait to see everyone in good spirits for the holiday season um, back together. So, yeah, I'm I'm pumped. It is a potluck style. Um, you can RSVP. Do believe the link is in our bios on socials. Um, it's also in the Discord. Uh, you could probably also reach out to your uh, neighborhood uh, Steel Army member to get the link. Um, and you RSVP plus uh, put your uh, name down for if you want to bring something. Um, and so we can keep kind of keep track of uh, what we have. So, yeah, be there, be square. Word up. Yeah, I need to still, uh, I need to RSVP, RSVP, but I will and uh, figure out what I want to bring. Uh, Vestia, I'm assuming you're on dad duty. You don't you don't make it out these things these these days, do you? Uh, yeah. So it seems like everybody and their mothers having a party on the ninth, and we are preoccupied with familial commitments. Lame, so lame. Uh, yeah. The hounds. Uh, not this has not been announced yet. Uh, I think we're kind of we're kind of maze breaking news. Uh, scooping, spoiling news. I don't know what that is. Uh, there's gonna be a, yeah. a, a Hounds proclamation uh, at the the city uh, city hall, city county building, city hall. Mm-hmm. I forget what they call it. Um, on Monday morning, Monday 10 a.m. And, and so you should be there. So if you can make it down to the city county building Monday morning, uh, like 9:30, 10, something like that. Uh, you know they're gonna read a big old statement where a lot of like they say like a lot of here for I think starts like every, every paragraph or some mm-hmm. crazy stuff like that mm-hmm. so it'll be a, a proclamation for the players and for Bob I don't I haven't heard the exact text of it but uh, something along those lines uh, so we were invited down to, to join in in those festivities those celebrations so you should do that uh, this would require me to kind of s- sneak away from work for a while that might happen probably not but it's an outside chance uh, so yeah, proclamation on Monday, 10 a.m. Be there. Holiday party on the 9th uh, of December. RSVP, figure out what you're going to bring. See you there. 
and as Ariana said, in, in brighter spirits than how we left Highmark Stadium a couple weeks ago. Uh, and U.S. Uh, has exploded for three goals, so we have to yeah. we have to not worry about that now. Pretty good. It's a pretty full episode. Uh, we, and we didn't even get to do all the, like, review all the, the hot takes and predictions we had to start last season. We'll have to, we'll have to squeeze it in there. I, wanted, do... I want Devin on that show so he can, he can play, uh, like, judge for, like, if it's <laughs> up in the air about who, who, who won that category. We're going to try to do that in person again. I mean, we did the, the, the Hot Toes episode in person, so it's only right to, to judge from across the table. Yeah. See if we can make it work. See if we can find a date. Yeah. And then, uh, yeah, make it work. Guys, uh, any last, last thoughts on the, uh, on the evening? Vesty? Nothing ever here. Nothing, uh, no other roster hot takes you want to throw out there? Nope. Okay, good. Ariana? <laughs> um... Uh, my only hot take uh, for the roster is a keeper hot take. Um, I personally think uh, there's a name that we should bring back uh, who did not finish the season with us, uh, but but had a fantastic showing uh, with us when he was here. Um, yeah, you're Luis allowed Zubidio. to say Luis Zubidio's bring, name. Bring him back. Bring El Pulpo back. Uh, that's that's my hot take. Uh, I I think that the five games we got him for was not nearly enough, um, and he uh, loved I loved his time here. Uh, we sang him happy birthday on his first game at home, uh, and I think that just cemented uh, how much I adore the man. Uh, and uh, he he was really uh, really grateful of us. So uh, bring bring Luis back. I know his front office is listening. Uh, pass this info on to Visser. Uh, get him in pen ASAP. Uh, bring bring back El Pupo. War yeah. on the street. He's uh, he's that's working my, on his his coaching take. license this off season. He is. Yeah. Little birdie uh, told me. We we invited uh, all the players to the holiday party. Just another reason to come. Uh, you might get to see uh, hang out with some of the players and their uh, homies. Um. We tossed it around the idea of inviting him, inviting him, and uh, I think it, it no, it definitely went out. So we did invite him, and he gave us some insight on uh, his adventures in the off season. He's getting his coaching license, so uh, that's exciting. Then he can just he can just play under the coaches that we just talked about, and that that fine experience of coaching and playing. I mean, it's only the most attractive right now, so. Bring El Pupo back. Hashtag. All right. On that note, <laughs> let's just that's best way to end it right there. We'd like to thank the Beautiful Game Network for providing the online hosting of Houndsy. Check out the wealth of soccer content being produced weekly at bgn.fm. The Houndsy theme music was composed and performed by Rocketman and the Space Babies. Check them out at facebook.com slash spacebabiespgh. The show is produced by Joe Majorak. Email the show at pghstillarmy at gmail.com. Input podcasts in the subject line. All complaints about the show can be sent to nick.noble at mail.wvu.edu. On behalf of Vesti and Ariana, I'm Dan Yost. Thank you for listening, and we'll be back again soon.